and welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host, Anna Visser, and today we are doing another Faith and Life feature with Dennis Matthias. He hi, Anna. Is, hi. He is the administrative pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Bay City, Michigan. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you. Thanks for asking me. Of course. So we're just going to get right into it of why are you pro-life and how did you become pro-life? Uh, why, why am I pro-life? You know, I wish that were an obvious answer, uh, because it's obvious to me. Why do I not think it should be legal for somebody to, uh, kill an unborn child with impunity? Hmm. Uh, I, I, I never got, I was never at a point in my life where I had to become pro-life or reckon with that type of issue. I, I was always on that side. I was always raised with a Christian faith, even if I was never, I was not always a Lutheran, but uh, that, that, I mean, it seems pretty obvious. Uh, if you have to ask the question, boil it down to its simplest terms, what is happening here? What is growing inside a mother's womb? And it, the answer is unequivocally, scientifically, logically, another human being. So that other human being did, deserves a chance to live, doesn't it? So, yeah. yeah. You know, so was this something that your parents instilled into you or your Oh, sure. Yeah. Kid? Yeah. There was, a, you know, everywhere I went, it was just taken for granted. I remember, do you remember that old show in the 90s, Life Goes On with Corky? Do you remember that show? Um, I've heard of it. I was born in 98. So. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> so there was this old show. It was like a, a drama family kind of a thing. And these kids had like real problems. You know, it was like the early 90s. So it was kind of after school special ish. And there was some character in the show that that uh, I remember watching. I was real little and uh, she went to the doctor and then she came out of this room and she was crying. And I remember I remember my father saying something, something like spat something out like she was really disgusted and I'm like what's going on and that was the first time I learned oh this woman had an abortion uh and I'm like why well, I don't understand why would why would you do that and of course you know there are many complicated reasons and I, the biggest reason I think is that a lot of women are just lied to they're flat out lied to by uh, societal pressures and norms and an entire political wing that that wants to make it more than just about a human life and they they don't they feel trapped they don't see a way out and they think this is their only option and and then they regret it for the rest of their lives so that was i guess the, f the first time i really had a an awareness you would say i was maybe six or seven years old watching that show which of course at that time was trying to normalize that oh this is just a thing that people do if they're not ready to have kids yet and, and that's fine and even back then it was kind of controversial but but now it seems to be just like nope I'm, I'm gonna do this if I want to do it yeah we definitely see that being incorporated more into society and movies and shows and music which is horrible it's based on a lie. It's, it obfuscates the centrality of the, the issue, namely, what is this? What is this thing? So, 
if if you if you muddy everything up with all manner of personal, social, individual issues, then you you lose that you lose that question. And so, at the heart of the issue, it's a moral issue. And my heart goes out to women who were lied to and men who were lied to too. Uh, I was at a, a Right to Life fundraiser dinner a couple of weeks ago, and Victoria Robinson came out and she wrote a book called uh, They Lied to Us. And next year, she's coming out with another book called They Lied to Us Too. And uh, They Lied to It, T-O-O. They Lied to Us is all about, uh, it's all vignettes and stories from women who have who have gone through the experience of abortion and who have been brave enough to share their stories of pain and forgiveness and reconciliation, et cetera. But um, that's the common theme is that we were led to believe that this is no big deal. We were led to believe that the people who were pro-life are crazy, crazy or they're fanatical or all they really care about is pregnant people and they don't care about any of the other type of suffering, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're pro-birth, not pro-life. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all a lie. It's all obfuscating the centrality of the argument. Right. And it's interesting because you know, to us, we think that it's, that it's crazy. And we can clearly see that these women are being lied to, but I think it just comes down to, they can't see what is happening to the baby. They can't see how the baby is being a victim. You know, if, if a little kid got hurt on the street by someone else, got beat up, everyone would freak out and, you know, want to do something about it, want justice to be served because you can clearly see that this little child is hurt and you can see that someone caused it, but you can't see that when the baby's in the womb, the mom can't even see it. Right. 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 And, and for some reason it's like hateful and impressive to require a ultrasound so that the mother can see her own child. Yeah, I I guess their their argument is that it's invasive. Invasive? Yes. And an abortion is not invasive? You know, I I don't know the logic either. Well, there is no logic. I think that's the point. It's all emotions. This makes me feel bad, so I'm going to do what makes me feel good. Right. What got you into this situation to begin with, but I digress. (laughs) Obviously, you're very passionate about this. So how do you I've had a lot of coffee this morning? <laughs> <laughs> how do you incorporate this into your church and your work as a pastor? Well, it's sort of a given. I mean, the, the, these are undertones of like I'm a, I'm a Lutheran pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and uh, we believe, teach and confess um, the you know, truth of, of Christian doctrine and biblical truth and hold hold that up as the standard and norm of our faith and life. And so it's not that we have to um, I don't like the idea of compartmentalizing every aspect of our faith. Like here, we're going to have a series on abortion and now we're going to have a series on you know, marriage and now we're going to have a series on this. Some people do that. That's fine. But I'd rather, I typically take the, the, the tone that our entire life incorporates all of these issues all at the same time. And so uh, while I might mention it or preach specifically about abortion, it's more uh, like any other in the church, more so helping people, supporting people live out their Christian vocations in life and service towards others. So when it comes to abortion, I, I'm blessed to have two wonderful women in my 
congregation who are involved in Right to Life and who both, I do both of them work for them now. I think one of them retired, but they, uh, they, they're always, they feel comfortable enough to come to me and say, hey, we want to do this thing for Right to Life. And I'm always supportive of it. Like right now on our, the front lawn of our church, we have the, uh, is it 29 or 31 crosses out in front, each representing a hundred abortions that happened in the last reporting year in the state of Michigan. So there's a visual reminder. Uh, when the dismemberment ban petition was going around, we hosted those uh, petition holders three times in the narthex. And I even had another guy from another church who, who didn't have a pastor at the time um, call me to say like, like, how do I do this? How can I, how can I get involved? And we kind of partnered with them to have another opportunity that wasn't just a Sunday morning for people to stop by the church and sign that petition. You know, it's, it's, it's things like that. I like to say, I don't do enough, but there's all the other issues too. So, you know, if there were 40 hours in a day, maybe I'd be satisfied with the level of effort I put into it, but there's only 24. Yeah, there's always something more to be done. Mm-hmm. Right. So if someone within your community wanted to get involved, how would they go about that? Involved with and there are, our... there ways, are there ways that they can get involved? Is there a group at your parish? Yeah, I would, I would get them in touch immediately with these two gals in my church who have they understand how the organization works and they know understand how to coordinate people and and how to get them involved in that manner so again like connecting it's it's not like a top-down ministry leadership type of thing it's more uh uh grassroots bottom up get people together who have passion uh, for the same things and who have a vocational call and pull toward these these things and get them together and let their imaginations run wild so that they, they can help as best they can in any way they could. Well, hopefully if anyone is listening and they're in the Bay City area that they will contact you and your parish and they can get involved if they'd like to. Yeah. And one thing that I've, I've recently been thinking about because of listening to Victoria Robinson speak her passion is helping people with post-abortive care. Uh, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of, of anger. There's a lot of guilt. There's a ton of hurt. And this is something a lot of people forget that women are hurting. You, it's not like you go in and you get an abortion and then you get vilified for the rest of your life. A lot of them feel that way and they feel that they can't even confess that. They can't get help. They can't heal. And they may completely, a lot of them do, completely and totally regret this thing and they don't know what to do and who, where to turn. And we need to, we need to focus on that a little more than just pounding on the immorality of abortion. Yes, we want to prevent abortion too, but we have a whole world out there of women who are hurting and in pain. And so if there's any of your listeners that, that can help out with that aspect of it, or know some way to develop a group of, of healing for, for men and for women. Um, that would be great. Get in touch with me. Yeah, that is such an important part of this movement of our goal is to help those women. And I think sometimes it gets bogged down by 
pro-abortion woman saying, you know, these women feel guilt and they feel remorse because you. Yeah, it's our fault. You're right. We've put them. We've put that on them. Yeah, it never crosses our mind that the human heart is made to feel guilt in a sinful world. That guilt, guilt is a sign that God is still working in your life and in your heart and is trying to draw you back to him and offer you forgiveness through Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection. Like that's, that's a natural part. But there's, you know, godless people do not want guilt in their lives because it's a sign of weakness. Whereas for the Christian... 2 Corinthians 12, my power is made perfect in weakness. It was the weakness of the cross that saves us. It's the weakness of our sinful nature that draws us into seeking the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And it's weakness that actually pushes us through and gives us integrity and endurance and uh, perseverance and ultimately hope. So if somebody in weakness is trying to get rid of that weakness, you can't get rid of it on your own. You need a support system. You need the gospel. You need to come where you know that you can actually be forgiven. And you, there is no grace. There is no forgiveness. There is no hope outside of the church, period. That is very true. So what, what would be your advice to pastors who are struggling with preaching about this, with talking about it with their communities because they're afraid of offending someone or feeling like they're not qualified to be talking about this? Uh, Get qualified, first of all. Uh, If the struggle is, I don't want to offend somebody, I would say, you preach the gospel for a living. You already sound ridiculous to the world which hates you. Scripture flat out says that Jesus promised that this is what was going to happen with preachers of the gospel. So why do you think that it, like you're a part of some club that everybody can come in and just feel good and feel right at home? Um, or, uh, or a place where broken and hurting people come to receive the forgiveness of sins by pointing to a broken and hurting Savior who rose again from the dead for our sake. So if you're worried about offending somebody, now look, I'll, I, I'll be the first to admit because I'm often guilty of it. You can be right, but in the wrong way. So I'm 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 frequently right, but more than frequently do so in the wrong way because I drink too much coffee and uh, get really passionate about things and tolerate illogical arguments not at all. Nothing um, wrong with that. But, well, it's, it's sometimes if you're trying to be a pastor to people who are. <laughs> well, I talked to pastor but it gets a little intense from time to time um but if you are a pastor use your god-given personality and the strengths that you have and the relationships that you have with these people to get yourself informed and just overcome that hesitancy even if you're always nervous about it even if your hand always shakes when you get up into the pulpit even if you're always worried that somebody's going to be upset or you've got that one bully in church or you've got that one family that runs the show and they won't do anything that the pastor wants blah 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 you gotta sometimes you have to cut off a gangrenous toe for the rest of the foot to survive. You know, and that's just the reality of the church. Just because people are in the walls on a Sunday, doesn't mean they're going to be there next week. That's not to say, don't, don't misunderstand me, 
that you can just go for broke every Sunday. No, you're walking with people, you're listening to people, you build relationships with people, but you need to get some courage if you're a leader in the church to actually do what's right. You've been called to enable these people to use their God-given gifts to live out their vocation in a God-pleasing way. And so you can't be afraid to say, for example, put up a station of dismemberment petitioners in the back of the church to offer people an opportunity to sign this thing, because then you would be, you wouldn't be enabling people at congregation who wanted to sign it, who didn't know where they could find it if they hadn't heard about this thing, because publicity is stifled and publicity is, 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 you know, slowed down by whatever algorithm you want to point to. I have colleagues uh, and know people who are leaders in their church who opted not to allow that opportunity for people to sign a petition to prevent 2,000 Michigan babies a year from being dismembered and left to bleed to death in the womb. Do you they, think they, that part of that was they didn't necessarily want to get involved in politics and they felt yes. like that was a political topic? Yes, I think that's a part of the hesitancy. One one excuse that I heard was I didn't want to offend anybody. To which I would reply what I just said: like you, you are your job is offensive. You you preach the gospel. You sound ridiculous. What do you have to lose for standing up for what is what is right and biblical and correct and moral, even if you're not a Christian? The other hesitancy is I don't want to get into a political thing. And to that I would say I understand Lutherans have a very serious distinction between two kingdoms as we call them we have the kingdom of the right and the kingdom of the left you got one foot in each one the kingdom of the right is the kingdom of grace mercy and forgiveness it can only be found in the church only be found through jesus christ kingdom of the left is the social world that we live in and the establishment of government which god is still in control of even governments that do not follow his will so Paul can say, obey the civil authorities in Romans 13, 1, but then Peter can say in Acts, we must obey God rather than man. So your faith informs your political life. And when it comes to abortion, you're not talking politics. You're not going to stand in the back and champion for one political person, aside from the fact that that's, that's illegal, I mean, at least to the extent that you, you want to maintain your tax exempt status. It's not the role of the church to endorse individual political parties or individual political candidates, but it is absolutely the role of the church to say, this is moral, this is not moral, this is right, this is not right. And if you want to allow people the opportunity to use their God-given vocations and their American citizenship and their rights to sign petitions and vote, you are part of the problem. If there was a pastor that, you know, he felt called and he was like, this is, I'm going to start this. I'm going to start, I'm going to make a sermon about it for this Sunday. This is going to be my first time ever talking about this to my church. What advice would you give him if he was going to preach about this at his Sunday service? Uh, remember that the gospel must predominate. The gospel is, it can't be. The gospel has to be larger than the condemnation, always. So let let the law do its work by itself and make sure that the people understand that uh, the, the solution to all of our problems at all times is the cross and empty tomb of Jesus. Well, hopefully this is encouraging to someone out there that's listening and maybe 
maybe they would like their church to be talking about this more, their pastor to get more involved, or maybe there is a pastor that is listening to this and they feel called to talk about it. So hopefully, hopefully this is helpful. Um, is there any events coming up within your church or within your community that you kind of want to shout out right now? Um, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> In trouble with Lisa, if I don't remember. I, I think we just passed a couple. No, I, no nothing's <laughs> come to mind. <laughs> I don't have a okay. calendar in front of me. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Is there any other um, points that you would like to say? Any other advice, tips? Yeah, I mean, it, for, for lay people who feel um, that their pastor is not involved enough, the advice I would give to them uh, if they want their pastor to be is uh, pastors do not respond well when somebody comes up to them and says you know what you should do because frankly they have enough on their plate and yes this is an important issue but you have to understand that some pastors just individually and personally have passions about different things and they have a lot of responsibility to do so the best thing for you to do if you feel like your church is not involved enough is for you to do it you need to figure out, get all your your T's crossed and I's dotted and all the people, lay everything out as organized as possible and then bring it to your leadership, your pastor, priest, whoever, and say, this is what I would like to do. It is, I would like your blessing for that and and covet your prayers. And, and try that tactic rather than banging on his door saying, we don't do enough. Well, do something then and just get his blessing. Don't wait for him. That is or really her, good I don't advice. know you're listening. Yeah, that is really good advice, especially because we have affiliates, Right to Life of Michigan, all across the state that would be so willing to help your church get started. Yes. Your church education materials, help you make events, get you involved in that local affiliate. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can always email Right to Life of Michigan at info. It's info at rtl.org. Um, or you can you know, call us and we'll tell you where your closest affiliate is because they are always so willing to get involved with any churches and to grow the community around them. Yeah, if we had if we had had more involvement, the, that dismemberment ban petition would not have failed. Yeah, it was it was right on the line. And uh, yeah, just people overcoming their hesitancy. Don't worry about it. You're going to offend people no matter what. You can do so with a smile on your face. It's 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 okay. Everybody, people are just they're just they wake up in the morning offended. So at least give them something to be miserable about, I guess. <laughs> and I'm serious. If there's somebody out there that that would is interested in a post-abortion support group type of thing, I would love to give space and opportunity for people to be able to do that. Um, so give me a call. I'm at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Bay City, right on Westside Saginaw Road next to I-75. Well, thank you so much for all of your advice and just wisdom on this and for being so passionate about it. I know that that is kind of hard to find these days. And so it really means a lot to us at Rights Life of Michigan to see you fighting, to see you educating people and talking about it with your community and just allowing for 
there to be a group and a community within your church that is fighting for the unborn and fighting for life. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Right to Life does great stuff. I, I, you got, I got your back. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being here today. We yeah. really appreciate it having you featured on this Faith and Life episode. You're welcome. <laughs> and I think that wraps it up for today. Next week, we will have another normal podcast with hopefully me, Chris, and Emily, and you can hear our little banter back and forth and just some more updates about the pro-life movement. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great weekend.